This is HRT, a podcast featuring interviews with HR leaders, researchers, students, and influencers. HRT takes trending topics and research in human resources, sleeps them for 30 minutes or less, and leaves you with fresh brewed ideas on how to drive high-performing, inclusive organizations and create meaningful work experiences. HRT is brought to you by Villanova HRD, the graduate programs in human resource development at Villanova University. Hi, everyone. Welcome to HRT. I'm Bethany Adams. I love HRT, but truth be told, I'm still a coffee drinker. On this episode, Larry, our host this season, met with Marsha O'Connor, CEO and founder of the O'Connor Group. Marsha is another Villanova HRD alum and is passionate about all things HR, recruiting, and helping to connect people to the right positions and opportunities. Marsha has been a phenomenal supporter of the Villanova HRD program over the years, and we cannot wait to hear her perspectives on how COVID has impacted the workplace as someone who owns and started her own business. Time to grab your coffee or tea, and let's get into the show. I am very honored to have Marsha O'Connor here with us today. I am so thrilled to be back and on your show. And for those of you who don't know, I'm obviously Marsha O'Connor, and I'm the CEO and founder of the O'Connor Group, which is a now 15-year-old company that does outsourced HR and recruiting. And we are now pretty much not just in the Philadelphia middle market, but we are all over the country now. So very happy to say that, but we have our offices based in King of Prussia. I wanted to start with the the idea of the big quit or the big resignation, or now I even start to see headlines about the the great retirement, a topic closer to my heart. From your experience and from your research, what are some of the dynamics that are involved in this? Why are people quitting? Is it across the board? Is it in certain locations? What What are you seeing out there as a consultant? It's a great question. It's like the big R, right? It's the resignation. It's the reset. It's the resign. It's the retirement. A little bit of everything. And to be honest with you, I think during COVID, I think a lot of people had a lot of time to look at walls and say, what am I doing with my life? So I think also when it came to child care, we lost a lot of moms. We lost over a million moms out in the workplace because their priority was their kids and to take care of their children. And they'll come back eventually once the school system has their, shall I say, stuff together. And a lot of parents are doing homeschooling now too, because they just don't think that they're getting the education right now. So it's very interesting. So last November, 4.5 million people switched jobs. And that's a lot. Now, if you look at data, and I'm a data freak, it's actually around 3.5 million a month which is somewhat normal. People don't realize that. A lot of people move around, but that's still a million more than normal. And like, what exactly happened to those individuals? Well, yes, a lot of them did basically retire. A lot more people at 60 were retiring and putting themselves out there and saying, you know what? I don't think I want to do this. I'm going to get my package and I'm just going to retire and figure out what's next. We also have the people that are just, I need a new job. Like, this is not what I want to do. And some people are leaving without even a job in hand, which blows my mind away. But yeah, I think during COVID, they saved enough money to, to be able to do that. And they're saying, what's more important right now? So there are people out there, but it is a lot harder than normal. It will come back down. But for now, until like September, October of this year in 2022, it's still going to be really hard market for talent. 
So you hit a couple of points in there. Historically, one way to get an increase was pack up and leave and then maybe come back or go somewhere else and get another bump. Job hoppers ended up making more money in the long run than folks that just stuck around. So that's not new. But I think with this economy, particularly, people are more willing to do that. They're becoming more risk takers. Yeah, we're seeing a lot more people have counter offers and stay in with counter offers too, which was rare because typically we would tell as a recruiting firm, you know, would say like, really relook at that because there's a reason why you were looking in the first place and really answer the question, was it money? Was it culture? Was it something else? And can that right. really get fixed with just money? Because in six months, you're still going to be unhappy. So we're starting to see that. We're seeing a lot of ghosting where, you know, hey, all these interviews and you get an offer and then... There's no message there. These people, it's so funny. I'm like, have the courage to call that recruiter to tell them that you're now not taking that offer. And instead of doing that, they just ghost them. They never hear from them again, which I find, wow, if you can't do that at that age, like the rest of your life is going to be difficult because you got to be okay to have those conversations. The other part was great retirement and it happened in the HRD department. I came back out of retirement and helped them out a little bit, but because they were short-staffed and it took a little while to get somebody in here. People are trying to get their retirees to come back, even if it's only on a part-time basis. Well, I think that there's definitely a market for that, but I think they're being very selective and picky. And, you know, the one thing I do tell people who are retiring that want to get back in, like really make sure that you know some technology as well, because I think some people think that's not needed, but the more technology savvy that you are, the, and it's all out there on YouTube, it's free, you know, take advantage of it or have somebody just teach you behind it. It's a definitely disadvantage. I've also seen too, where I hate to say that a lot of people who have been in the fifties and older let go and they'll come back to me. Is that a discrimination? I said, well, it all depends, but it's their company. They can really do what they want, but you got to be careful about that because I've seen a lot of my friends in the fifties being let go because number one, their salaries are higher. And number two, their, their technical skills, no offense to my, my friends out there, but they're not strong and nor do they make an effort to, to really learn what is out there. Like what's the metaverse and how does that affect me? And, you know, how can I use Tableau? You know, just those kind of things out there that really will make you stand out. We had a session this week with Josh Burson with the PSPS group in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And one of the things he mentioned was about skills. You know, it's really going to come down to a skills war about what kind of skills you have that make you different than somebody else. And I thought that was really interesting because a lot of people are looking at like, well, I have this much years experience. I'm like, mm, that's great. But really, what are your skills? What can you bring to the table that is different and unique? And you have to be right. like, wow, what are we really paying for? Because we don't have enough people out there, nor enough people going to school for that right now. Right, exactly. You mentioned something about corporate culture a little while back. So I'm wondering the old adage of people, People don't quit companies, they quit managers. I wonder if that has something to do with it as well, in terms of leadership development, whether they're just not willing to put up with working for jerks. They're not. I think that's changed a lot too, where people are saying, why am I putting up with this person? 
it was interesting during the, the person conversation, he was like, you know, people putting human back into the company. And I was laughing because being part of HR, I'm like, why did we stop being human? But there are some companies out there that just assume and take care of things. And, and there are some leaders that did not check in with their people during COVID. And they just assumed, well, they have a job, they should be happy. That mentality has got to go. You know, you have to have a place where people feel respected, included, taken care of. And it's a lot. It's not just about the benefits of what you offer. It's really the whole package now. It's a funny time. Because I also heard from a CHRO and she brought up a really good point. And she said, when did it become ours purpose to take care of the employee and their family? And I sat there like, excellent point. I said, I feel as if like everything that we do and say, it's affecting them as a whole. And so now we have to have a company that has a great culture, that takes care of its people, that does a lot of appreciation, that does a lot of you know growth, that does a lot of pay because they're in the driver's seat right now because unemployment is so low. But there, there is a fine line because you can't go broke doing it either as a company. And you know, when you do your increases, you have to do it with respect and dignity. And you know, just don't assume out there because listen, you want to keep your people as much as possible, but you also want to keep the door open. Because boomerangs are a wonderful source of hires down the road. You just can't assume it's going to happen. You got to put things in play. Like we have Oktoberfest. We do every October. And the idea behind it is that we invite all of our alumni, all of our people, we call them alumni, that we bring them back and say, hey, let's get together. Let's talk, see how you're doing. We bring our clients out. We talk about how we're doing as a company. We give them a little tchotchke. They love it. It's like homecoming. You have to do that because then sometimes... A few months later, someone says, hey, you guys have changed a lot. I'm loving what I'm seeing. Can we chat about coming back? Or they refer yeah. people, which is these nice. Or they refer people, right, exactly. Right. So it brings me around to new ways of working with the whole topic of remote work and hybrid work and how companies can use that potentially to stem some of the exodus of people leaving and going to other positions. What's your thoughts on the whole topic of remote work? Well, I can tell you before COVID started, especially around LinkedIn, I think it was the stat that I had heard was one out of 67 jobs had the word remote in it. And during COVID and after COVID now, it's one out of every six job positions that have remote or hybrid in it. So times have definitely changed. I think more likely it's more advantageous to be able to say that because a lot of times people will be like, I wasn't willing to go in every day. Or that's too far and, you know, it it has really changed. And you got to keep in mind, the employee is still in the driver's seat. So you have to be a little bit more open. I can tell you too, people do want to see each other. They really do miss each other. You really have to have that bonding that really keeps companies. Because one of the things I think has been missed is basically the bonding of the water cooler. And, you know, we don't really Mm -hmm. have that now. So you have to find other ways to create that. Be a little creative in making those connections, definitely. Are any of your clients wrestling with this whole shift from you got to be present to win to a partial return to office? Because it's a it's a complicated issue. It's a generational issue, too, because I have family that work in the construction business. And mm-hmm. he has this mindset of like, hey, we got to be back. They're like if the people in the field are back, we got to be back but he's getting a lot of pushback from the younger generation. And I said, you're going to have to make it work for both sides. He's like, it's ridiculous. It's like, we're okay. Now we should go back. And I'm like, 
Mm, but you're going to lose those people to other places that are going to be op- able to do that because that's what they want. I think it's really just listening to your team and saying, hey, what works for you? For example, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I have a lot more people in the office than any other day because I provide lunch. It's also fun to be in the office and we have a lot of fun and we do a lot of work. We hang all out together, but hey, I have 80 people and only 12 come in. So it's annoying as well, but what are you going to do right now? Because they're all working really hard. And is it more important for them to spend an hour every day traveling? Or is it more important for them just, you know, get the stuff done? So it's really, you got to be cautious. You got to listen to your people on this. And, you know, I know CEOs are like, this is my company. They should be happy to have a job. I get that. But if you want the right people, you got to be real and tell them, I would love to do that. I just can't do that right now. And, And be honest with them about that. Performance management has obviously been one of the things that HR has been tasked with for years and years, but I think that that system is changing as well. We had a little sidebar conversation before we got started here, so I have an inkling of what is on your mind. So how can employers treat their employees as far as performance management is concerned? Well, one, you have to have something that they understand, and two, it has to be more frequent than once a year. Um, The once a year thing of evaluation at your end is honestly to me dead in the water because number one, it's really hard to remember what happened in January and December. So you got to get rid of that. We do ours quarterly where we actually have a conversation with our team. And then we actually have a rubric as to how it gets decided upon what percentage per they're doing this or doing this or doing that and their billables and all. But they have to understand where you're at, what you're doing, what's the extra things that you're doing, and then how you're getting rewarded for that. Yes, it takes a lot of time. It is completely on the calendar ahead of time for the entire year. They know what's happening and they also know growth and we are growing. So we always tell them there's plenty of opportunity to grow. What else do you want to do? And we put a lot of people into brand new roles that were much more coherent to what they love to do. And it was something that we didn't have three years ago, but we do now. So you got to be open with it, but you got to also have an attitude behind it. If if you have this attitude of like, I didn't get it, woe is me, and and that's how you act, it's going to be very hard in this environment to move up. It's the ones that are like, hey, how can I help? No problem. I get it. I know when it's ready. I'm ready to go. I'm willing to learn. Those are the ones that are going to do really, really well in this environment. So I'm curious about the impact of remote work on professional development, for one thing, Mm -hmm. and then also how that impacts careers. Well, I have a big philosophy on this where, to me, you need to be in charge of you and don't expect a company to basically do that for you. And where you want to basically speak up and say, hey, I, I would love to go in this road. What next steps do I need to take or be a part of? And hey, I know you don't offer this. Can I do this instead and be a part of it or create things? Like, I love it when someone comes to me like, hey, we need to do this. That's great. What's your plan? What did you have in mind? Where are we going to go? How much is it going to cost me? I rarely say no to any, anything, actually. Um, but I want to know the plan of that faction. But don't don't complain to me that something's not happening. Tell me, like, okay, that's great. Now, what do you want to do with it? Walk me through that. Show me that plan. Show me that cost so we can help you get there. And I'm all for that. Now, I know I'm different as an employer. But to me, there's a lot of things just in the past two years that we do now that we've never done before because somebody had spoke up and saying, hey, I really think we should be doing this. I'm like, all right, tell me what you need to do here. 
And then now you have these new roles that we didn't have two years ago. But that's because they spoke up, they had a plan of action, they put things together, and now we're doing it. But it's the ones that are like, well, we don't have that and no one's taking care of me. You're going to be unhappy a long, long time. And unfortunately, no matter the matter you come with me or anybody else out there, it's it doesn't work that way. You're going to have to speak up, but have a plan of action with you. And right. those are the ones who are going to do fine. And people have got to get over. Well, I have so many years of experience. Unfortunately, that's not going to matter as much as what kind of skills you bring to the table. It could be five years. It could be 15 years. But if you don't have those right skills to keep that company growing, you're probably not going to grow into that company as fast as you want to. Sure. Yeah, you have to learn new things to be able to take on new tasks to make yourself more valuable. That's just logical. Also sounds to me like a great culture in terms of being willing to step up and speak up and make suggestions. It wouldn't be impacted by remote work or whatever, because you can do those kinds of things, whether you're in the office or not in the office. And don't forget the coaching too, Larry, because right now coaching is a really, really hot topic. And there are a lot of people out there who say they're coaches and all, but there's a lot of technology companies that have these coaching mechanisms that are all over the place that are really hot topics because a lot of times people need an individual career coach to help them get to that next level because they don't know what they don't know. So this coaching world has taken off like we've never seen before. And I think it's going to be even larger because people are going to ask like, hey, instead of basically giving me a stipend for learning, could you give me a stipend for my coach instead? Um, So that too is going to take precedent, I think, over the next couple of years. So you're thinking external coaching at that point, rather than peer coaching or internal coaching. Correct. Yes. The thing I wanted to go back to regarding remote performance management or virtual performance management. And you brought up a couple of great points in terms of frequency and having a great conversation, that kind of thing. But, you know, it's what happens in between those reviews that I think is also important. Having the ability to give your employees autonomy, you know, Mm -hmm. to set the standards and the performance goals and let them operate in a way that meets those standards. Any thoughts on managers and trust and autonomy? I think it comes back down to hiring as well as your culture and your values for your company to make sure that everybody's fully aligned of what that means and why. And you really have to live it. You know, my four core values is incorporated in our hiring. It's incorporated with our evaluations. It's incorporated about pretty much every time we do a town hall or a catch-up call. And we really talk about that was a great collaborative example, or that was a great integrity example. And you have to really live that. And trust me, when we go through every year, everybody, and it's called the GWC, it's an EOS term. Do you get it? Do they want it? Do they have the capacity? And you have to ask yourself, are they bringing us down? Are they building us up? And if they're bringing us down and we constantly talk about it, then you really have to have the conversation. Are you happy? Do you really want to be here? Because we're seeing this and this, and this is happening. Sometimes they're just not happy and they're afraid to speak up. And sometimes it's having that conversation because what's happening is that energy is going out there and it's affecting everybody. And so you really have to target that pretty quickly. And I think a lot of people... Honestly, we'll come in lots of times on HR side of the house, Larry. And when you really start peeling away the onion, you realize, hmm, 
what's happening is the CEO doesn't want to have the nasty conversation with the employee about something that they should have had a conversation, I would say, months ago. And now it has spiraled out of hand. And they'll bring us in saying, hey, maybe you should look at our HR handbook. And then when you really start pulling away the on, you're like, hmm. So basically, you want us to talk to five people here because they're not doing their jobs properly. It doesn't have to be an evil word communication. It can actually be very encouraging word because sometimes that person is very upset or something's going on at home and we don't know about. That could be. And it's the old, send them to HR. Send them down to the principal's office. Like, no, it's not the bad place. HR, if done well, is the glue to any company out there. And I really believe that. And that's why I think it's really important, like the Villanova HRD program and what you guys offer and provide. It's not just about human resources. It's about the thinking and the strategic logic behind all of it. Last question. Go back to where we started. Will this big quit, great resignation last forever? Look into the crystal ball and make a prediction. Laura, I've been doing this for a long time. And I've been in that recruiting world. Can't even believe it's been over 25 years now. And we have great recruiting years, like 95, 96, 97. We're just amazing. Recruit higher, higher, higher. And then 99 and 2000 hit and voila. You're going to have those again. Probably not as a deep, pull down like 2000 was, or look at 2008 and 2009. It was like, Mm -hmm. but everything goes up, comes down. Now, I don't want it to go down too, too far, but it will calm down. So I think this year is going to be a very busy year for recruiting still. But I do think as soon as those federal reserve rates go up, and it's supposed to be at least four of them this year, that will basically have a major impact in regards to how much money is out there for people to hire. So next year, I think it's going to be a really big change year. But I think at least until October, November, we're going to be very busy in recruiting this year. Well, thank you. It has been a delight, a real pleasure to get in touch with you and have a great conversation. And all the best to you and to your expanding firm. Thank you, Larry. I so appreciate that. If anybody ever wants anything, feel free to reach us at tocgrp.com. And I, I'm so thankful to be asked to be on the show and kudos to you and your team over there at Bonova HRD. It's a amazing, amazing degree to have out there. And I just want to promote it as much as possible. Thanks, Larry and Marsha. It is always so great to hear from our alumni on these episodes. Our alumni are out there changing the world of HR. And I love hearing how they are shaping our workplaces for the better. I hope all of our alumni will take Marsha's advice and find ways to speak up and create change when you see that it is needed. This wraps another great episode and you know what time it is. Whatever you're drinking, coffee, tea, or something a little bit stronger, I hope it will lead you to fresh brewed ideas that will help make work better for all of us. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of HRT. As your thoughts from today's episode, Steve, share with us what you are brewing using the hashtag VillanovaHRT. That's hashtag VillanovaHRTEA. HRT is brought to you by Villanova HRD. To learn more about the graduate programs in human resource development at Villanova University, and for all the links and notes from today's episode, visit the Villanova HRD blog at VillanovaHRD.com.